0: good afternoon everyone and welcome to today's episode of cj's takes in today's episode we're going to discuss the whiteness in sports and whether there is more leniency playing sports while white adrian burgos wrote a book back in 2007 titled playing america's game which primarily discusses the history of baseball starting back from the jim crow era we as people went about our daily either challenging our daily lives either challenging or affirming segregation. This was no different in sports than, than as it is now. Black versus white, or on the color line as they called it, has been evident for decades. The most evident then was in baseball, our national pastime, but due to the color line there were American leagues and Negro leagues. As you know, we do not just live in a black and white world. When you add the Spanish or Latinos players to the mix, that color line becomes blurred. It only made sense that this world, that this would disrupt that thought process in the game of baseball. Eventually, the professional opportunities for the African-American players became more evident and it would prove to be better for them to play in a Latin American league. This was just the start of recognition that there were issues uh, with race among athletes uh, in American sports. <clears throat> there is a great documentary called Fire in Babylon, another great example of black versus white this this film told the story of the west indies cricket team as i watched these episodes i was interested i was interested to see the media's coverage of uh, of the sport through the 50s and 80s this sport involved a bat and a ball similar to baseball with the goal of a pitcher who would bowl up, uh, upwards of 90 miles per hour i noticed that when watching the first part there was not much concern from the media as to the injuries that these white players induced with their fierce play like Bowler, Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson. Michael Holding, one of the best West Indies players at the time, talked about how he was reduced to tears and stated, it was the hardest cricket I've ever seen. The media cheered, the fans cheered, the headlines were embarrassing for them. As the West Indies team got better and started inflicting their own pain and dominance, there was a call for rule changes. Moving forward years later, these players would be seen as rebels and were banned from playing for a period of time. Another example of white power privilege and leniency fast forward fast forward to sports today and we will see the favoritism and the leniency towards our white professional athletes. There's a sport book titled playing while white by Professor David Leonard. He discusses the power and privilege of being white of being a white athlete on and off the field and the way that sometimes they are characterized. This book also highlights how the media coverage differs between our black and white athletes, also bringing attention to sports culture. It covers different themes and racial dynamics, whether it is football, baseball, basketball, or soccer. Professor Leonard mostly explores the way white athletes are profiled, tagging them as captains, intelligent leaders, hard workers, and role models. He highlights racial issues in today's society. have produced national mourning in relation to police brutality as well as stereotyping it is our athletes who come forward to lead us in the efforts of change but which athletes for example when trayvon martin was killed he was immediately characterized as a black person in a hoodie making it seem like the hoodie that he was wearing was a criminal uniform so of course that is what the news outlets focused on when describing trayvon rather than the fact that he was a teenager walking home with a can of soda and a pack of Skittles in his hand, who was shot and killed by an overeager white person who was basically stereotyping him. We saw athletes like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul come forward and players around the league wearing hoodies. This would lead to a dress code in the NBA where they weren't allowed to wear hoodies anymore. The black athletes rallied behind him for justice while the head coach for the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, who we all know is white and is famous for his weeks and is famous for his week after week hoodie wardrobe, wore his hoodie on the sidelines and in the news outlets making no mention of it. A perfect example of white privilege and power. All throughout Professor Leonard's book, we see the hashtag hashtag playing while white. In chapter one, he talks about the Johnny Menzel, aka Johnny football. He was referred to as a team leader, a rare specimen, and a winner but he proved over and over again that he could not handle the money and stardom. He had his share of trouble with drinking and ended up in rehab in a very short period of time. The media, however, painted him in a very different light. The coverage he received portrayed him as a victim focusing on his unfulfilled potential as a leader to both his teammates and the kids who would have looked up to him. Playing while white is seen as a constant possibility of inspirational leadership, while the black athlete who may fall on the same hard times or try to inflict the same enthusiasm is, is seen as having a motive, being selfish and seen as a, a, distract, a distraction to the team. There are all kinds of examples of this through sports over the decades. And another great book that describes these issues is called The Heritage by Howard Bryant, an ESPN journalist. In his book, Howard Bryant acknowledges the experiences over the years faced by black athletes in America. He foreshadows a different and unique look between sports and race and demonstrates how sports have have been covered into a staging arena then and by now. He outlines that black athletes encounter numerous injustices based on their political position as well as the turbulent relationship between the African American people and the police. He describes the lives of some very popular athletes in the day, establishing just how long this has been going on. He mentions athletes as far back as Paul Robeson, who I had never heard of until this book, Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, and as recent as Colin Kaepernick. Brian also writes how African Americans were seeking education, but America did not want want the black brain. It wanted the black body, in other words, black Americans compensated for their livelihood. While I could see that Bryant seems passionate, focused, and clear in his writing, most of the concepts of this book are rooted in racism, but let's talk about Colin Kaepernick for a minute. When I hear his name, I think of the NFL and how he has, how he was the quarterback who played for the San Francisco 49ers. When you Google him, he immediately comes up as the first American activist in the in the mention of his football career. So what do we know? Colin Kaepernick was a a second round draft pick. He was in the NFL for over six years. He could easily start on any team around the league. He even tweeted just last week that he was still putting in the work in the hopes of that another team would pick him up. And make no mistake, there are plenty of teams that could use him right about now. But as a reaction to the fatal shooting of Freddie Gray, he began to kneel during the Star Spangled Banner as opposed to the tradition of standing before every game. This was his way of protesting police brutality. He received such criticism that it ultimately cost him him his career. Although there has been some chatter over the years and the possibility of another NFL team to pick him up, the majority of the team's owners, being white, have been silent in this regard. Another example of white power. I can't help to wonder that uh, that, that if this was Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers that took a knee during those games, what would the conversation be? Would people listen? Would they lose their job? We all know it is tradition that after a team wins their respective championship that they are invited to the White House by the President. President Barack Obama invited the 2011 Stanley Cup winners, the Boston Bruins, to the White House. But goalie Tim Thomas, a white American on the team, decided not to go as his way of protesting against the government. He stated, I believe the federal government has grown out of control, threatening the rights, liberties, and property of the people. Was this national news? Not necessarily. Larry Bird turned down his invitation after he won his uh, 1984 ring with the Celtics, along with Megan Rapinoe after the women's soccer team won the World Cup, along with several other white athletes over the years that have refused to go to the White House for one reason or another in their own way of protesting the government. Another example of how how we perceive white athletes over black. They all have their own careers and they were not chastised for uh, viewing their opinions. I think as we look at the sports landscape throughout history, it is safe to say that white athletes have been received and covered by the media through a different lens. This has been brought to our attention many times throughout the course of this class. Playing while white explored several other white athletes who were given second chances. There were there was Ryan Braun, Josh Hamilton, Hope Solo, Michael Phelps, Ben Roethlisberger, just to name a few. But for them, hashtag playing while white saw them through and highlighted the fact that there is white privilege and second chances, or is it just another way of describing racism? I am not sure I see the difference. Well, that's all I have for today, and thank you guys for joining joining me on my edition of CJ's Takes. Thank you guys.